welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. Alright, Genesis chapter 15, first six verses. Genesis is the first book in the Bible, real easy to find. Real easy to find. Genesis chapter 15 says, After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. Abram's name was later changed to Abraham. And so if in the excitement of my preaching tonight, I say Abraham instead of Abram, same person. Okay. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. I am your very great reward. But Abram said, O sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, You have given me, uh, Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him This man will not be your heir. But a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And Abram believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Here's the context of this portion of Scripture tonight. Abraham received a promise, a great promise, And you can read about that in Genesis chapter 12. And from Genesis chapter 12 to this point here, some 10 to 20 or so years have passed. Anyone been waiting for 10 to 20 years for God to deliver on his promise? Anyone been waiting a long time for something that he said he would do, but as of yet, you are still waiting? Well, that's where uh, Abram found himself. And he had a complaint to God. In his matter-of-fact way, he said, God, you said that I would have an heir um, a number of years ago, but as of yet, nothing has changed. Now, what you need to understand about this moment is where Abram was sitting. Abram was inside his tent when he was having his complaint. He was sitting there, whinging, complaining about what God had not done. And the whole time he was in the confines of what he was familiar with and comfortable with. And what I love about this story in this moment is what God does next. God doesn't just speak to him. He takes him out of his context. God says to Abram, I want you to come outside. And so he gets him out of the smallness of his thinking. He gets him out of the smallness of where he was sitting. And he takes him outside. And he gets him to look up into the sky. He says, Abram, I want you, if you can, to start counting the stars. And so imagine Abraham's like, one, two, 
Keep them still. God, keep them still. They're moving. It's hard to count. Start again. Keep them still. One, two, three, four, five, six. And he goes on. And then he's like, oh, there's too many to count. And I imagine God with a smile and face. So that's my point. That's my point. I'm a limitless God. I'm a big God. I'm able to do immeasurably more above and beyond all you ask, dream, hope, or even imagine. And he was trying to get his eyes off the one child and get his eyes on his inheritance, the nations. Sometimes in our asking, we reduce our ask to the smallest thing when God wants us to think much, much bigger. I think sometimes God doesn't answer our piddly little prayers because He doesn't want us to stop there. He wants us to lift up our eyes. He wants us to begin to count the stars if we dare. He wants us to look beyond just what we're asking. He wants us to have something beyond what we can presently see. I loved our film that we saw earlier when all those faces were coming up. There was one man, he's 77 years of age. His name's Keith. And at 77 years of age, there's still a glint in his eye. And I like that. It's, an eye, it's, a, it's a look that says he's looking for trouble. It's a look that says I, I'm not finished yet. There's a look in his eye that says even when I'm gone, I'm gonna leave a legacy. There's something about him that says it ain't over. And even when I'm long gone, my life will still be speaking. I'll still be living and making a difference and having an impact in people's lives even when I'm long gone. And that's what God was trying to get Abram to do here is to lift up his eyes and get his eyes off his circumstance and get his eyes off his one child and start looking beyond that. And I believe that's what God wants for us as we tap into Him this year and see incredible things. I don't know about you, but I'd rather be outside counting the stars than inside doubting. As I said last week, God is gonna keep certain things from us that faith might increase. If God told us everything, it wouldn't require faith. And if we don't have faith, He can't put things into our account. And God is a generous God and God's heart is to put things into our account. He wants to give us some things. And so it's through faith that you and I have been saved. And what does He put into our account as a result? Salvation. There's only one way to be saved and it's having faith in Jesus Christ. And so because we believe God and His Word, He credits that to our account. He credits salvation to our account because we dare to believe His Word. And so God doesn't want to tell us everything. God doesn't want to reveal everything to us because He wants faith to be in operation. Because when faith's in operation, He can give us things and put things into our account. Things beyond what we ask, dream, hope, or even imagine. Faith is not just a word. Faith is not just uh, a belief, it, 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 it's something that is tangible. And I want to look at that tonight. Some of the things about faith. Firstly, faith believes God. I touched on this uh, last week to some degree. But faith, simply put, is believing God. It is a total trust that what God said is true. In Romans chapter 4, verse 20, it said, Abraham, as he was known then, did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. That's what faith is. It's being persuaded. It's being persuaded. Persuaded by his promises, persuaded by his character, persuaded by his attributes. My question to you tonight again is simply this. Do you believe God's word? 
See, it's possible to believe about God, but I'm not talking, that's not faith. You can believe all about God, but still not believe Him. You know, you can believe all about Julia Gillard. You can believe that she's a woman, she's got red hair. You can believe all the things about her, but still not believe her word. It's true, isn't it? We're not saying she doesn't exist. You can, you can know she exists, but not believe her. See, faith is not believing about God because you can believe about God, but not believe Him. So faith is more than believing about God. It's more than just believing in God. It's simply believing God. It's believing His Word. If you don't believe God, then ultimately you're questioning the integrity of God. See, if I said, Sam will be at the prayer meeting because she told me she will, and I put my faith in her word, and I have an absolute assurance that she will be there, even though I haven't yet seen this day coming, and we're having a prayer meeting, I, I can say that she will be there but how do you know that day hasn't come yet? Because I've seen her past and I've seen that her word is worth trusting. And so because of her past and because her word is able to be trusted, I can make some decisions about what she says into the future. And so it's not so much about my faith that I place in Sam, more so the integrity of Sam's life. And so it is with God. We can put faith in God because He's a God of integrity. When you look over the Old Testament and you see all the things that God said He would do and they came to pass, we can put our trust in the future. We can put our faith in the things that are yet to come because we've seen what He's done in the past. Because of what has taken place over the last few thousand years, we know that God is a man of His Word, that God's Word is integrous, in, integrous and that we can put our faith in Him. You know, there are so many promises around the first coming of Christ that He would be born of a woman. That He would be born in Bethlehem. That He would be the Messiah. That He would die. That He would uh, uh, suffer, etc., etc., etc. There's all these promises, prophetic promises about how the Messiah would come into the world. And all of them were fulfilled. And now the Bible talks about a second coming, a coming of Christ that will come into the future. And we can believe for that day, even though we haven't seen it, because we've seen what God has done in the past. And if, he did, if what He said He would do in the past has come to pass, then why can't we believe Him for the future? So this is not so much about our faith, it's about the integrity of God. Can God's Word be trusted? I believe with my heart God's Word can be trusted. So if you believe that, then faith should rise. Faith should increase in our heart. Why should we struggle with all the things we struggle with if God is a God of integrity? And so it speaks more of God's integrity than our faith. So faith, simply put, is believing in God. Secondly, faith believes in other people. When faith's in operation, not only we believe God, but we can actually start to believe people. We can start putting our faith in others. God put his faith and trust in Abraham. 
See, faith releases a can-do attitude. It releases that, come on, man, you can do this. Come on, don't give up. You can do this. I always think it's amazing I get this opportunity to stand up here and speak before you all, knowing that when I was a child, I was so shy and so insecure in so many ways. But God, even at that moment in my life, knew that I'd be doing what I'm doing today. And I believe as we have the heart of God and our faith increases, we'll start putting faith in people. There are many people giving up on people today. There are many Christians, inverted commas, Christians who aren't going to church because they have no faith in people anymore. They have no faith in humanity anymore because faith's not at work in their life. But God puts faith in, and, 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 and he, he puts his trust in people. He says to Gideon, come on, I know you're hiding, but you're a mighty man of valour. You can do this. Come on. Jesus is walking on the water, having the time of his life, and he sees the disciples, and they're freaking out. And, and Peter's kind of just a little bit intrigued, and he's saying, uh, Jesus, if that is you, call me to come. And, and so Jesus says, well, come. He doesn't tell him how to do it. He says, come. Isn't that amazing? No instruction. Just Come. Kind of like how we started the church, Pete. Start. And that's it, start. And and so Peter, just inspired by faith, puts his leg over the boat and starts walking on water. But in actual fact, he wasn't walking on water. He was walking on the Word of God. He was walking on the Word, come. He was walking on the integrity of God's Word. Jesus said, come on, you can do this. And I believe God is saying to Victory Church, come on, church, you can do this. Stop letting people talk you out of what you can't do. You can do this. Hey, I know people can let us down. But I believe one of the ways my faith in God is seen is when I put my faith in people. I really believe with all my heart that life is good. People are beautiful and God is great. It's faith in operation. You might say, oh, but you don't know what some people have done to me. And I could say to you, whoa, you don't know what some people have done to me. You can't lead anything in life and not get attacked from time to time. But I say this, life is good. People are beautiful. God is great. I refuse to give up on people. I refuse to give up on humanity, no matter how cruel and stupid they can be at times. Because that cruelness and stupidity resides in me at times. And God continues to love and say, you can do it. You can do it. And I, and I want you to hear that word tonight. You can do it. When Peter let Jesus down, And disowned him three times. He went back to what he always did. Isn't it amazing? Jesus called him out of fishing into discipleship and apostleship and and, and to to be a, a catalyst to start the early church. Nothing changed. 
But Peter let Jesus down and, and uh, he felt really bad about that. And, and so he went back to what he always did. When people are feeling low, they tend to go back to what they're comfortable with and familiar with. And so Peter here is finding himself fishing. And three days after the death of Jesus, he raised, he's, he's raised to life again. And it was Mary who was there first. And the angel said, I want you to go and tell the disciples, but get this. She said, and tell Peter. Tell Peter. Because I haven't finished with him yet. I know he's given up. I know he's gone back to what he's familiar with. I know he's trying to run away, but I haven't given up on him. Because I still believe in Peter. Nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. I love that. Faith believes in people. Thirdly, faith believes in itself. We see that Abraham, as he, uh, time went on, and he inherited the promise of God. We see that uh, he had his nephew with him. And there came a time when they were so blessed that they had to part company. And Abraham says to his nephew Lot, If you choose the east, I'll go west. If you choose the west, I'll go east. You choose. What Abraham was saying is, I'm going to back myself. Wherever I go, I'll be blessed. Wherever I go, it'll work out for me. No matter what happens to me, no matter what people do to me, no matter what people say, it'll work out for me. So you choose. And so a lot looks east, not very good. Looks west, very good. He says, I'll go west. He says, cool, I'm going to go east. And I'll make a life for myself over there. Faith will do that. It'll give you that ability to back yourself and not second guess yourself all the time. We don't want a church that's second guessing themselves all the time. We don't want a company of people that are second guessing themselves all the time. I love David and Goliath and that story. There's this young punk by the name of David. He's 17 years of age. He's got all these brothers. They're on the battlefield, but no one's fighting. And David comes without all the military uh, training and without all the military uniform and says, what's going on? What's going on? And, and, and uh, the brothers get really annoyed with him and say, oh, you're, you're, you're just wicked and deceitful. Why, why, why aren't you with those pathetic little sheep? But what they didn't know is that David had been asked by the father to come to the battle and see his brothers and see how they do. He was just obeying the father. The fact that people didn't understand it, that's Christianity. And so he's uh, just talking away and he's like, oh, forget it. Anyway, so he, just, just as he's asking his brothers, well, what's going on? He hears this big giant say, fee, fi, fo, fum, I smell the blood of an Englishman. He said, who's that? It's Goliath. Well, am I getting my stories mixed up? And David has this, this, this indignation. He said, how dare that guy say that thing? How dare he defy the army of the living God? I'm going to take his head off. I mean, talk about it. I mean, where did that, where did that self-belief, where did that, where did that confidence come from? It came from looking after his father's sheep. It came from playing the heart. It came from connecting with God. It came from singing praises. It came from singing to God. 
And he built his confidence because there was one day when a bear tried to take the, uh, one of the sheep away and, and, and David defended the sheep. There was another time a lion and David defended the sheep. And so David had had some, some smaller victories and he thought to himself, I can do this with God's help. I can do this. And I don't think God gets any glory in us second guessing ourselves all the time. I think we need to be like David, full of faith. And because we're full of faith in God, we can back ourselves. I can do this with his help. I can do this. It's ridiculous to say I'm full of faith, but second guessing and questioning ourselves all the time. Faith believes in self. Fourthly, faith gets up again. I love this. Abraham had many setbacks, but he got up again. That's the evidence of our faith, is that we get up. The evidence of our faith is not having problems, not making mistakes. It's how we handle those things. Who here has ever had a bad day? That's a given. It's not getting under. It's not allowing those things to take us over. That's where the victories are won. That's where it's at. We see with Abraham, many setbacks, but he got up again. How about Noah? Noah was a man who responded to a voice of God to build a boat. He wasn't a boat builder. He had to build a boat because rain was coming. He didn't know what rain was. But he started. And it took some 120 years to build this boat. It was a big boat. A lot of work, a lot of effort. And in that 120 years, it was a lot of work, a lot of hard labour. He got very little help. He got a lot of ridicule, a lot of um, backlash. But he just kept building and he just kept building and he just kept building. And because he didn't give up and because he didn't give in and because he kept getting back up again, I'm sure he had his low days, I'm sure he had his bad days, but how he responded in those low and bad days was the evidence of his faith. And when the rain came, he wasn't just building the ark of himself, but he saved his entire family. We're not just building for ourselves. When the decisions we make, it's not just us that we affect. When I'm having a bad day and I feel like giving up, this this is the bottom line for me. I can't give up. Because it's not just about me. The decisions I make affect others. And so I'm not my own to do whatever I want. The Bible says you're not your own. You've been bought with the precious blood of Christ. Now get on with it. I don't have the freedom. I'm free, but I don't have the freedom just to give up and to give in. Faith stops me giving up. Faith stops me giving in. Faith helps me focus and see the bigger picture. It helps me to get up again. Many of you would not know this. Some of you would. I shared it in our DNA course just last week. Haven't shared this story for a while. But there was a time when we never used to meet here. We used to meet at 308 Nelson Road. And uh, we met there for many years. And we were outgrowing that small facility. And we wanted to expand. And uh, next door, the shopping center was available for us to purchase. And we thought that'd be a great place for us to purchase because the supermarket was vacated. We could move our auditorium into there. We could use our old building for the children's ministry. We could get an income from all the other shops. I mean, it's, it's a brilliant strategy, isn't it, Sean? It's brilliant. God must be in that. 
We were so confident. We started marching around that building. Oh, it was great. We did. We literally marched around the building every Wednesday night as part of our prayer meeting. Hey, we weren't stupid though. We didn't pray out loud. We just, I said, hey, we're just gonna be, we're gonna be quiet. So we just <laughs> freaked everybody out. Freaked the neighborhood out. And the more we walked around the building, the more nervous they got. They put a petition. We don't want the church to buy our shopping center. <laughs> Over 3,000 names on this petition. The council were now involved. And I'll never forget the night. There was five representatives from Victory Church, of which I was one, Pete was another, and there's three others. That makes five. Two plus three is five. How about that? And we sat there, and, and, and uh, the, the, the uh, mayor called us to give account for why we wanted to buy this uh, particular property. Ashley was there. Ashley went first. Ashley said, because of this. Pete went second. It's because of this. Great argument. I'm proud of these guys. Well done representing us well. Then it was the turn for you know, others to have a say. An hour and a half later, I mean, it's just like it was a free-for-all. Everyone could say whatever they wanted, and, and we don't want this, and we don't want that, and we don't want that. And there, you know, there were some good points, and then there were some just outright lies. I mean, I'll never get one lady, she said, uh, I don't want a church there because they're always swearing at me. They're always swearing. <laughs> and so straight away, I thought it must be bad she's talking about. <laughs> Truth is, no one was swearing. It was just in, in, her, in her mind. And, and uh, you know, when it came to the end of the night, they said, okay, that's enough. And they put it to a vote. Guess who won? It wasn't us. We got zero support. It was a unanimous decision for the church not to buy the shopping centre. And I'll never forget it. When, when the announcement was made, five of us uh, were sitting in the gallery with everyone else. And as you know, everyone stood up, cheered and applauded. <laughs> and I never forget with Pete and the guys that we were with, we just walked out and... Uh, we just laughed and saw the funny side of it and said, God must have something else in store. Yeah. And that Sunday morning, I had to go back to the church. The church I've been telling to walk around the building for the last... <laughs> Not my finest moment, I must say. And I never forget, standing in front of the church and preaching this message, when one door shuts, another one opens. Because faith always gets back up again. Faith gets knocked down. I've been knocked down plenty of times. I've been knocked down because of my own stupidity. I, I've tripped myself up. I don't even need people to fall. I, just don't, like, I have an incredible ability to trip myself up. But there are times I get pushed down. There are times I get knocked down. Sometimes that's physically. Sometimes it's emotionally. Sometimes it's spiritually. Have you ever, have you ever had those knockdowns? A couple of the times you trip. I mean, I mean, Sam's on the front row here. I mean, she's just, I mean, she's, she's seldom on her feet. She's always tripping over. I mean, she's just like, trip, 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 trip. I mean, have anyone, any clumsy people out there always tripping over? It's Donna. She's another one. You are too. You and Sam separated at birth. You are. Always tripping over. So we've got the times when we trip over. We make our own mistakes. We feel like giving up. And then there's the times we get the attacks and the times that are out of our control. And it's enough to want to give up and it's enough to want to give in. 
And I remember thinking, man, you know, we could sit here and think, man, we shouldn't have walked around that building. Maybe if we hadn't walked around that building, maybe this, maybe that, maybe that. And it just got to stop it. I just chose to believe as one door shuts, another one's open. And no matter what happens in my life, I'm going to use every experience to learn from and become a better leader, become a better person, become a better husband, become a better father. And with hindsight now, I'm convinced that God wanted us to be here. And, and, I, and I, I sense, this, this is the warped, weird way I see that whole thing going down. I sense that God saw faith in our hearts rising for this shopping center. But God had other plans. And, and I, I felt God said, I need to give them a diversion. I need to give them an idea that's from me, but one that is going to get them to not get that property. And so it was in an elders meeting, we decided to walk around. I think it was like a God-inspired stupid idea to stop us getting <laughs> the property. Because God had this place in mind. Yeah. We, we had a heart set. But can I honestly say, it didn't get us down. Yeah. We didn't drop our heads. We didn't give up. We didn't go back fishing. We didn't go back to what we were comfortable with. We just had to find something in God, stand before the church and say, when one door shuts, <laughs> another one opens. And when I said that, I, there was no other open door. In reality, it was when one door shuts, the door is shut. If I didn't have faith that day, that would have been my message. When one door shuts, shut up shop. But I added faith to the message. Because faith gets up again. In actual fact, I remember one of the guys said, you know what? This is straight after the, the council meeting where we just got Ted to shreds. One of the guys there, one of the illustrious, God bless him. He said, you know what, we can appeal this. And I looked him in the eye and said, the thought of going through that again doesn't sound too appealing. So when one door shuts, another one opens. And I started thinking about that. When one door shuts, another one opens. When one door shuts, God's got something bigger for us, something better for us. That's what faith does. Faith gets us through those moments because faith gets up again. Fifthly, faith gives no matter what the cost. I love this generosity of Abraham. Before there was a law to give a tenth, Abraham gave a tenth. See, tithing is not an old covenant, ritualistic, law-giving attitude. We see before the law was introduced with all its 613 laws, there was a man by the name of Abraham who had a generous spirit and a generous heart who was grateful for all the things God had done and just wanted to give. That's what faith does. Faith gives no matter what the cost. For us to see our dreams and our goals fulfilled for 2013, it's gonna take generosity and the generosity is gonna come as we exercise our faith. Generosity will never come by, by looking at your wallet. It will never come by looking at the economy. It will never come by watching the news and the All Lords and the NASDAQ and the, and the American dollar and, and uh, what else is there? All those things. You just 
You know, we, we start... What? <laughs> Monopoly, I don't know, whatever. We study all those things, but we forget to study the Word of God. Got to be generous. Paul just gives a challenge to the Corinthian church. He says, man, the Macedonian church is in their poverty. They're more generous than you guys. Come on. And he used their generosity to spur the Corinthian church to be generous. Because what faith does, faith is generous. We see the woman who was at the feet of Jesus and she broke this bottle of perfume that was about a year's wages. But she recognized she was in the presence of greatness. And prophetically, she was preparing Jesus' body for burial, unbeknownst to her. She acted in faith and she was generous. You know this particular building we're in right now? Because we got rejected from the shopping center, that bu- this building right here. I'll never forget in and around the time of all the building that was going on. My son Mitch was having a birthday. And so this was four or five years ago now. He's 12, and so do the math. What is that? Seven. And on his seventh or eighth birthday, he got all his birthday money. It's about $150. And just put it into the offering. Because he wanted to invest in what we enjoy right here, right now. Didn't put a percentage in. He put it all in. We never asked him to. We never even suggested it to him. It's just something that he wanted to do. It's just something that caught his heart and his imagination. And if a seven-year-old boy can give all, 100% of his birthday money, I want that to provoke you to our giving for 2013. We say, I don't give because I have money. No, it's more to do with faith than money. Number six, faith speaks the future into being. Can we have our musicians come as I finish on this point? Faith speaks the future into being. I imagine as Abraham was waiting for the promise, having been told to go outside and look at the stars, I imagine initially he would have been overwhelmed. But you know what? After that first night, there was another night. And then there was another night. And then there was another night. And I imagine with each night as it passed, something of Abraham's faith was growing. And he started to speak out. I not only have one child, I have two and three and four and five and six and seven and eight and nine and ten and eleven and twelve and thirteen and fourteen and fifteen. I'm not going to be just reduced to one child. Fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. Oh, starry night, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three. And faith began to rise. Faith comes by hearing, the Bible says. We've got to speak. The Bible says in Joel, it says, let the weak say, I am strong. It doesn't say, let the weak say, I'm weak. That's easy. That doesn't require faith. It says, let the weak say, I'm strong. You better speak it out. This is not a name it and claim it. This is something deeper than that. This is us putting faith, putting voice to the things we believe. God is saying to us and about us. Many times I've been weak. Many times I've felt like giving up as I'm sure you have. 
and I've reminded myself of the Word of God. I've reminded myself of other messages I've heard. I've reminded myself of my own words. It's okay, the weak's got to say they're strong. Okay, Lord, I'm going to feel a bit silly saying this because this feels so stupid to me. I feel so weak. But because your Word says and because you're a man of integrity and I can trust your Word, I'm just going to do it. I'm strong. Oh, that was weak. Even me saying I'm strong sounds weak, Lord. Have another go. Strong. I can do it. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give in. And what may start as something seemingly so small and superficial and, and silly, start adding faith. And there's many times I've started feeling really silly, but then faith kicks in. And, I start, and, then, and then I start thinking of the, the heroes of faith. And I start thinking of Jesus and what He did. And, and I start getting really stirred. You know what you saw me do this morning? You might think it's just what I do. But I want to tell you, when you stand before the church and make the kind of declarations that I have to do every Vision Sunday, it takes it out of me. It's not like any other Sunday I do. It's not like I'm just getting up here and preaching, although I did that and I think I did a pretty good job of preaching this morning. But when I start declaring 2013 is going to be a year where we do this and we do that and we do the other. These aren't things I've just made up because I feel I've got to say something. There's a weight that I carry because I know this to be true. I'm saying things in faith and I'm saying things that are out of my control. If nobody gives, it's not happening. If nobody acts, it's not happening. So this is not something I'm gonna do. This is something I'm saying, guys, we're gonna do this. And there's a weight that's attached to that. That's so why the Bible says, pray for your leaders. Not because they're more special, but there's a weight with leadership. I, I've never given birth to a child, but all of the women here who have would know that once you've given birth, there's a, oh my God, I'm exhausted. And after this morning, as with most Vision Sundays, I'm driving home, I'm saying, are you okay? Going, yeah, I'm fine, I'm just exhausted. And it's not a complaint. It's just the reality of what I do. It's not a complaint. I love doing it. But there are some realities. There's, there's moments in every one of our lives and in what we do. There's just some days just a bit more exhausting. Vision Sunday is one of those days for me. And so I'm thinking, I've got to preach tonight, Lord. I've got nothing. I'm... And I just start talking to God and I start having some coffee with him, as Denise said. What are you speaking on tonight? Faith. What an incredible opportunity to put faith into practice. That's right, Lord. I'm going to put faith into practice. Could have just not showed up today. Imagine that. Where's Tony? I just couldn't be bothered. <laughs> See, I just don't have that luxury. Imagine that. Where's Tony? I oh, just didn't come. Where's the next one? I didn't come. Where we got? I didn't come.
And so here I am, putting my own message into practice. Let the weak say that I'm strong. Lord, I may be weak, but in you, I'm strong. You may be feeling weak. You may be struggling with something. But you can say in faith, I'm strong. Denise, physically speaking, is probably weaker than any of us in this room right now. She's a precious woman in this church. And she lays in a hospital right now, dying of cancer. Been given a few days, weeks, whatever to live. But there's a fire in her. There's a strength in her. And she's just putting faith into operation with the life that she has. And it's inspirational to see. In actual fact, sometimes it's our weakness that God turns into strength and greater things happen. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen and God bless.